KFGO is proud to present the Veterans Hour, an hour dedicated to those serving a higher calling, the latest on veterans affairs and stories of conspicuous gallantry above and beyond the call of duty. And now, the host of the Veterans Hour, commander of the Tri-States Veterans, a Navy man, Dave Rice. Fortunate Son by Credence Clearwater Revival. And thank you, Jack Sunday, for that kind introduction. And thank you, KFGO, for letting us veterans have this one-hour show once a month to talk about our causes and our events. And I think we have a great show lined up today. You know, June is National Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Awareness Month, or PTSD as we know it. We have Dr. Samantha Tupi on the, on the line, a licensed clinical psychologist helping us understand what PTSD is. And then we'll get Jim Cronin on. He's a readjustment counselor from the Vet Center. He's going to tell us about the services available to veterans that have PTSD. They do a lot of counseling there, group sessions and individuals. So we're going to tell you where to go to get help. And then we're going to talk to a young lady by the name of Randa Schuler. Her brother left for Iraq. And when he came home, he was a different person. And 10 months later, he committed suicide. So she's going to talk to us about uh, the effect of PTSD on the individual, the veteran, and the family as well. So, uh, again, June is National Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder Awareness Month, and we're going to do our best to help you understand that so you can help others as well. On the line, Dr. Samantha Tupi, licensed clinical psychologist for the Fargo VA and their PTSD specialist. So thank you for coming on, doctor. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Why don't you start off just telling a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and uh, your your training and uh, work assignments to date. Sure. So um, I'm from a small rural town in South Central Minnesota, and I got my bachelor's and master's out there in Mankato, Minnesota. Then I went out to Idaho State University to get my Ph.D. in clinical psychology. And then I came over here to the Fargo VA um, because I actually heard it's a wonderful facility, and they were correct. (laughs) But I got to do my internship there in 2017, my residency in 2018, and then I've been a staff psychologist there since 2019. Well, very good. Um, yeah. And you are correct. That's a wonderful, wonderful facility. I, I doctor there and I volunteer there. Uh, very, very impressed with our facilities here. And it's not only us locally, but uh, Fargo VA Medical Center gets awards uh, nationwide for its uh, service to veterans. So thank you. And thank you, Fargo VA Medical Center, for all you do for our, us veterans. Now, in your in your professional career right now, you are a clinical psychologist, PTSD specialist for the VA. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about, uh, I and most of the listening audience probably don't really understand what PTSD is. What What is PTSD and, and what is it not, basically? Yeah, absolutely. 
So PTSD, as you know, is a disorder, right, that most people um, have the honor of not getting to experience. Many people in life actually experience a lot of traumas, um, but they don't go on to develop PTSD. So it's, it's basically you have to have experienced a trauma to be diagnosed with PTSD. And no matter who you are when you experience a traumatic event, you're going to have some PTSD-like symptoms for a few hours up to weeks after the event. But a trauma here is defined as kind of being exposed to actual threatened death, serious injury, um, sexual violence. It might be learning about a trauma happening to a loved one or even repeated aversive details that you have at work, you know, for our police officers and uh, first responders. So naturally, many people who experience trauma, they will have this healing process that occurs over time. The symptoms will start to drop away. Usually within a month or so, those have mostly dissipated. After about 12 months, if you still have symptoms, um, you're going to absolutely need to seek treatment. But anytime after one month, you recommend seeking treatment for those symptoms. So those symptoms I'm alluding to would be things like what we call as intrusion symptoms. This is when you have memories and thoughts about the uh, event pop up unexpectedly in your mind without your permission. It might come up at nighttime when you're sleeping, such as nightmares. Um, and for some people, it can even present as flashbacks or hallucinations. And then there's also negative changes in your thinking or your mood. So this will look like unhelpful beliefs, such as no one can be trusted, I'm a bad person, the world is dangerous. Um, emotions that are pretty common would be guilt, shame, anger, fear, and then numbness for our veterans is quite common um, because of the training, unfortunately, that we give them to help them survive these situations. Uh, but that's a whole other topic, I do believe. Um, and then avoidance of things that remind you of the trauma. That's a big, that's a big bucket. It can be memories, thoughts. Feelings associated like emotions, people, places, conversations, things, a lot of things can end up being avoided. So you can imagine how that might show up in your life if you're avoiding a lot of these things and how secluding that might become. And then significant changes in reactivity. So this is things like you might become more irritable, quick to anger, problems concentrating, you feel like you have memory problems, you're not able to fall asleep, stay asleep, feeling on edge. Um, kind of how I define it as feeling overstimulated all the time. So it's quite stressful to have this disorder. And, you know, once you hit about one month period and beyond, you would meet that diagnostic criteria. And one thing I think is really important for folks to know is moral injury um, is a really, really important concept, particularly with the veteran population and service members. It's not a diagnosis, but it's something, unfortunately, that accompanies a lot of folks who have PTSD, a lot of our veterans. It's, you know, basically I describe it as a deep wound um, that it can occur. It occurs when you've witnessed, had something done to you, or maybe you had to do something that goes against your own moral code or values or even societal norms. So unfortunately, in wartime situations, that's pretty common. And good indicators of that are real um, intense shame, guilt, sadness, those types of things. And suicidality can also be associated with both these, uh, you know, moral injury and PTSD. So you ask, you know, what is it not? Well, it's, it's not an anxiety disorder. Um, it's a trauma-based fear disorder. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of personal failure. There are many genetic, environmental, uh, proximal, and kind of skill-level reasons why you may have developed this. It's messy. It's complicated. Um, you know, for example, for veterans specifically, if you're in a combat zone or any other high-stress area, you don't exactly have a minute to process that memory. A lot of times now they're trying to do better with offering that opportunity to process, but a lot of folks have, you know, stigma that they fear myths, and sometimes you're just not ready to process it yet. So 
when you're not able to process that, it gets buried. You know, and a lot of people calling that getting numbed out. Very effective in the short term, not in the long term. And PTSD is not something that you can just get over and, like, forget about it. So a lot of people might even hear that from loved ones. Um, that's not helpful. <laughs> so if you take one thing away, that's not helpful. And then it does not mean that you're crazy, and it does not mean that this is your life now forever. But any other kind of thoughts I didn't I didn't mention there? Well, first of all, thanks for pointing out. Uh, we're not only talking about combat veterans having PTSD, but law enforcement, sexual trauma, car accidents. Uh, PTSD can result from a lot of different experiences. Uh, I guess that for someone that doesn't really know or understand much about the topic, uh, and you mentioned a few things, but how does the affected individual know they have PTSD, or how can a family member or a close friend, what, what are the first symptoms that they should recognize? Yeah, that's, that's complicated, I would say, because it depends on the person as to what symptoms would be most prominent. Really, I guess what stands out often for the folks that I see um, is irritability and anger. Those can be really big indicators. Um, especially if that's out of the norm or they seem to have increased since the traumatic events, a lot of avoidance. So if someone's doing, you know, not wanting to do the things that they once wanted to do, if they um, coil away from you, you know, when you go to touch their back or their hand, um, and that's abnormal, or if they just seem more secluded, if they're drinking more, using other drugs, being more reckless, these are all symptoms that can kind of indicate that PTSD may be going on. Um, depression. A lot of people will come in thinking that they're depressed and that depression is absolutely a symptom of PTSD. But when you work on depression, if you have PTSD, it's not going to fix the depression. You know, you got to go after the core, which would be the PTSD. Okay, very good. So uh, when in doubt, get help. What, what's the first step? When, should they, when, <laughs> when should they go or where should they go for help? But happily, we have a lot of options. Um, the Fargo VA, of course, is one of them. And if you're far, far away from us, our CBOCs or um, outpatient clinics that we have around. Um, and then, of course, the Vet Center, which I'll let uh, the next guy speak more of. But just calling the VA if you're already hooked up with us. Um, if you're not getting, you know, assessing to see if you're eligible for VA services, those are definite things I would recommend doing, even starting with the VSO officer for some folks. It's just getting, do whatever you need to do to get in contact with us. Um, and we offer a lot of different treatment options with the VA. And, you know, right now, yes, because of the pandemic, we're offering more what's called VVC, which is kind of like encrypted FaceTime with your provider. We offer a lot more of that as an option as well. So I found that with people with PTSD, sometimes it's really hard to even just get in the door because coming to the VA, it's a big building. There's a lot of parking. Gosh, there's a lot of people, right? So if you're avoiding people, that's going to be pretty hard. So, you know, just getting in the door can be hard. But now that we're offering virtual, you can call in. You can get hooked up with more of a virtual setting so you're in your own home where you might feel safer. If that's what you need to do to get in the door, then great. You know, we'll see you virtually in your own home as well. Okay, very good. And that's kind of a lead in, lead, good lead-in to our next uh, interview, and that's a vet center. Some some veterans don't want to go to that big brick building there on Elm Street on 19th Avenue. <laughs> they want to go to a more <laughs> private setting, and that's really uh, one of the vet center's uh, specialties there. So, Dr. Samantha Tupi, thank you very much for being on today. We appreciate your insight, your knowledge on the subject, and we want to thank you and all your colleagues for what they do for our veterans. 
we're going we're to go on break right now. And when we come back, we'll have a, a readjustment counselor, Jim Cronin, on the line. He blesses the boys as they stand in line. The smell of gun grease and their bayonets, they shine. He's there to help them all that he can. To make them feel wanted, he's a good holy man. Okay, that is Sky Pilot by Eric Burton and the Animals, and online is not a Sky Pilot. We we refer to them in the military as the Chaplain Corps, uh, helping uh, service members with their religious beliefs and that type of thing. But uh, we do have a counselor on board, and they're kind of the same. They help our veterans uh, heal their uh, mental and uh, soul problems by helping them adjust. And we have Jim Cronin, a readjustment counselor at the Vest Center here in Fargo on the line. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jim. Yeah, you're welcome, Dave. Good. Uh, I talked to you at the uh, Vietnam Veterans Day at the Air Museum, and uh, you made a very good talk. And I know you do a lot of good thing. And I heard, you know, a couple of my friends are actually counseled at the Vet Center, and they're very complimentary about your services. So uh, could you give us a little background on yourself, uh, how you got to sure. be where you are today? Yeah, it's great to hear that people are satisfied with uh, our work there. Um, again, my name's Jim Cronin. I'm a licensed clinical social worker um, and uh, been working with uh, the Vet Center since 2015, um, prior to that, I did work at a VA hospital uh, in 2011 to 2015, and then uh, Denver VA in 1996 to uh, 2000. Um, but mainly been working with people that have been in trauma, um, uh, whether it's adolescence, uh, today, of course, we're talking about our veterans. Um, Got uh, degrees from Grand Forks at uh, UND, a bachelor's and a master's in social work. Okay, very good. And uh, what services do you offer? Well, you probably a wide-ranging uh, services you offer at the Vet Center, but what are specifically, what are you offering there at the Vet Center as far as counseling and helping our veterans? Sure. Um, most everything we do is counseling. Um, we also do some outreach, but our counseling is, uh, we do individual counseling. We do a lot of group counseling, um, couples and, and even family counseling, um, which has been something we've been doing more of over the last couple of years. Um, also, if somebody's uh, struggling with understanding benefits or struggling with employment, um, we take the time to help problem solve and steer them, uh, steer a veteran to the right uh, place. You know, we, we do some uh, referrals and, and sourcing out, so to speak, with, uh, with the, the network that we have to try to remove barriers and give them opportunities to get their answers uh, met. Um, we also do outreach work. We have, uh, I don't know if you've seen it before, but we have a mobile unit, kind of like a big motorhome, and sometimes we'll show up to an air show or uh, an armory with that, um, and usually there's a counselor as well as an outreach worker there, uh, and those events, usually we have some type of education, community engagement, 
types of events. Um, so, yeah, our, our, our eligibility, so for, for someone to be eligible for our services, um, they'll have to have served an act of military duty in any combat theater or area of hostility. That sounds like it's a narrow window, but it really isn't. We have um, we we have a mul- multiple people that come in and meet our criteria. Um, some of the other criteria is experience military sexual trauma, and that's regardless of gender or service era. Um, provided mortuary services or direct emergent medical care uh, to threat the casualties of war while serving on active duty. Uh, performed as a member of an unmanned aerial vehicle crew that provided direct support to operations in combat theater or area of hostility. Um, anyone that accessed care at the vet center prior to January 2nd, 2013 as, an, as a Vietnam era vet. Um, any, anyone that's uh, in the guard um, can, can access our services to the National Guard members and reserve members um, for anything. Um, so it's not just PTSD or combat issues that we that we process with people. Okay, very good. That brings on uh, when Dr. Tupi from the VA was on, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, different venues to seek help and uh, mentioned that some veterans are a little reluctant to go to the VA Medical Center. I mean, that big building down there in South or North Fargo. Uh, you're you're a little more low key, right? At the yes. vet center, uh, not yes. many white robe guys walking around or nurses and that type of thing. But a uh, little more low key, a little more personal services. And you just mentioned National Guard. I have several questions on how come uh, some National Guard members qualify for VA medical benefits and some don't. Could you uh, explore that a little bit? For VA benefits or vet center benefits? Vet center benefits. Okay, so so anyone that's that's a National Guard member currently, or uh, Army Reserve or Reserve reservist can access our services. We'll attend units um, that are getting ready to deploy um, and do briefings. And if anyone in there has any types of issues they're dealing with, um, we're more than happy to see them. Okay. What is the relationship of the vet center versus the veterans administration? Are you actually a branch of the veterans administration? Yes, we are under the veterans administration. Um, The difference is, you know, when we look at the VA or the vet center, VA has some really good mental health providers. Um, They have a lot of services and they have multidisciplinary teams. We We simply manage counseling. So there are times that we might encounter uh, working with someone that might need a higher level of care where they might need, uh, you know, uh, a lot more med management or case management or things that that, uh, that are over what we can do uh, in our clinic. Um, but, all you know, all those mental health workers up there are great, too. But we, we pride ourselves in having a small environment. It's intimate. Um, we have four counselors in Fargo. We have one in an outstation up in Grand Forks. And we also go to communities. So, um, for instance, I go to Park Rapids. We have uh, people that go to Detroit Lakes, um, people that go to Thief River Falls, Jamestown, uh, Valley City. And so uh, we do those types of groups every other, 
usually every other week uh, in those in those outreach communities. Um, so, okay, very good. Um, and that was one of the questions I, I had for you was. Uh, someone's interested in uh, just talking to somebody, getting their feet wet on how to cope or where to go for help. I'm sure you got a big Rolex there, Rol- Rolodex there. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. you know all the veteran service officers and the VA contacts and all that good stuff. Uh, somebody's yeah. just curious and they think they might need some help. Uh, where do they go? Uh, what phone number, Facebook page? Oh, sure. Whatever. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, if people don't meet those eligibility requirements, we still encourage them to stop by or contact us because we can get them to the right place. Um, We're located, we just moved um, from our former site where we were there for 20-some years. Um, But we're on on Veterans Boulevard now. We're right off of Veterans Boulevard. Um, Our address is 5600 34th Avenue East, Fargo. Um, And... Our phone number, which is probably the best way to reach us, is 701-237-0942. And then also on the web, uh, www.va.gov, and then punch in Vet Center, and and it'll show up the the closest locations and how to contact us and uh, the key staff, and I think a little bit of a bio on there, too. Okay. And I suppose the... uh fees for your services are pretty high or not? We don't charge for our services. Um, those services uh, are uh, cost-free to the veteran and their families. Okay. Um, yep. Okay, very, and I kind of knew that. I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. That's a great, great question. <laughs> uh, Jim Cronin, uh, a counselor at the Vet Center, uh, Go to uh, 701-237-0942 or stop by their office, 5600 34th Avenue East. And they'll be glad to talk to you and help you, help you out if they can, right? That's right. Very Come good. on down. Well, thank you and thank your colleagues there at the Vet Center for what you do for our veterans. Will do, Dave. Thank okay. you. Have a great thank- afternoon. Oh, you too. Thanks for coming on. Okay, we'll take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to a a family member who has uh, been impacted by uh, a brother with PTSD. The Magic Carpet Ride by Stephen Wolf. That's one of the popular tunes back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, uh, when I was serving off the coast of Vietnam, uh, kind of replaying some of those memories. On the line now, I've got Miranda Schuler. She's from the Botno Minot areas, and uh, she had a very unfortunate experience. Uh, her brother uh, went to war, went to Iraq, and when he came back, he was a changed person. And about 10 months after he got back, he committed suicide. And Miranda spoke at our department, North Dakota Veterans of Foreign Wars convention here just last weekend. And I talked to her afterwards and I said, you did a great job. And this is a story I think we should get out. And she agreed to come on air today and talk about that very subject. So Miranda, thank you for coming online today. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. You betcha. 
could you uh, kind of go through that process? Uh, tell us a little bit about your brother before he went in and, and when he came home. Sure. Um, so he he was the, the third child of uh, four children, um, always a pretty rambunctious kid. And uh, for as long as I can remember, he used to dress as an Army soldier for Halloween every year. Um, I mean, since he was a kid, all he ever wanted to be was a soldier. And and I think he was an exceptional one at that. I, I didn't serve with him, but the stories I've heard um, since he's been gone, I, I believe that he, he was um, an exceptional soldier. He uh, joined the U.S. Army straight out of high school, and um, and in 2012, I'm sorry, 2002, I think that's when we went to war with Iraq, he um, served, went for his first tour, and he ended up doing three tours in Iraq, uh, serving with lots of different um, units. He was a cavalry scout, and I believe he was with the 10th Mountain Division as well, if I remember correctly. And um, each time he would come back, we would notice, um, some differences, um, but ultimately, when he came home in 2010, the very early part of 2010, he had uh, he had gotten out of the service, had gotten out of the military, and came home. And you know, he he would tell us a little bit. He he didn't share a lot of the stories. He would tell me some of the things, but I could tell that it had um, it had dramatically affected him. And at that time, um, you know, things were a little different. This was 20. 2010, and um, we kind of knew he was different. We we were trying to get him some additional assistance. Um, and come fall time, he um, he just he was just really struggling. And it was right around Thanksgiving. We uh, my family we made an appointment for him to go into the VA clinic in Fargo, and um, he didn't. He had an appointment on Monday, and unfortunately, on that day before, on that Sunday, he ended up taking his own life. Um, and it, it was heartbreaking. It really was. So that's kind of the story. Um, I don't know if you want me to touch on the boots as well, but that that was ultimately uh, Sergeant Stephen Knudsen's story. So that's it, it, very sad, uh, but I'm I'm sure that's fairly common. You know, we currently have, and you're going to get into this a little bit later. Uh, we currently, have about 22 veterans taking their life every year, uh, or every day uh, every nationally, day. every every day and, nationally. And I, yeah, I think. Um, you know, I've heard different stories. You know, those numbers have changed maybe a little bit, but but really, uh, 22 is is the um, is the the most common number you hear. 22 uh, veterans each day take their own life, and that is just a just a heartbreaking number. Correct. And you said your brother was a little reluctant to seek that help, and I'm assuming most of those 22 are have did the same thing. Like they're little, they're little. Uh, reluctant to, to seek help or to admit they need help or whatever that cause is, right? Well, he, he was, yeah, he was, um, you know, he, I think he knew, I, I'm, I'm sure he knew from what we found out after the fact, um, people that served with him, he knew that he had PTSD and, and, um, you know, like I said, 2010 was a little different. There's been a lot of awareness since then that's more made this more of a normalized, um, thing to seek treatment for, but um, yeah, he he was a little reluctant to seek help, um, and you know, it, it's just really unfortunate. So what what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to do is basically um, bring awareness to it, talk about it more, so that there isn't a negative stigma, and that you know people are more willing to get that help because ultimately, you know, these are these are our veterans who have um, 
fought for our freedoms, have done what they've been asked, and who, for all intents and purposes, are really heroes. And to lose them in this manner is, is just, it's just terribly sad. And you, sh- you should be proud, Miranda, for, for doing what you're doing. That's got to be very difficult for the family and friends and community uh, when that happens to someone, a uh, loved one in their area. So uh, awareness is a great thing, and that's what this month is all about, PTSD Awareness Month. What, what, can, the, what can the general public do to help? Um, well, you know, I think it, I think it depends on the areas you live in and things like that, but, you know, talking about this and, and like I said, making it, it's so easy to just have these conversations and make this a normal conversation to have to, um, not make this a negative thing and to, to be able to have these conversations and help people find the assistance that they might need if they feel like they need it. So that's, that's what the normal person can do. Somebody who has some more training, obviously, they'd be able to provide, you know, uh, mental health assistance or whatever the person might need. But for, for a general public person, you know, just having these conversations and realizing that this is happening on a, on a very large scale. And, you know, if, if we have these conversations and it even saves one person's life by having this conversation and bringing awareness to this, then you, you've done more than most people who aren't talking about it at all. Well, very good. And that you shine in that area, Miranda. You you have a display called Twenty Two Boots Display. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah. Um, so obviously, after after Stephen uh, passed away, um, you know, grief is a hard thing, and uh, you know, I started thinking about it and, and, and praying on it. I'm a spiritual type person. Um, on ways that I can try to make. Um, positive out of his death, um, basically, and, and to help someone else. Um, and, you know, you can talk about it all you want, but I, I wanted to have some type of a visual reminder, something that would be, um, some people can see it and maybe relate more to it. And uh, I came up with this idea that um, I would just have 22 pairs of boots out. Um, and it was in 2014, right before Memorial Day. Uh, I put out a call on my social media Facebook page that I was looking for 22 pairs of boots um, to build a display to bring awareness to PTSD and a suicide um, as well. And I started getting um, I started getting boxes in the mail. Uh, a lot of uh, people that served with Stephen and on the three tours in Iraq that he he was on uh, were social media friends of mine, and I actually started getting um, mail and pairs of combat-worn boots that actually were worn by people that served with my brother in Iraq, and um, some National Guard people from the state of North Dakota, who um, I'm familiar with. My, my husband's work, he's a retired um, Army National Guard uh, chief warrant out of Devil's Lake. So I started getting all these boots, and I was about five pairs short right before Memorial Day when I really wanted to put this display up right in front of our house, and uh, the Minded Air Force Base, uh, came through and, and got me those last five pairs of boots, and um, I, I kind of just screwed them all down to some wood, and uh, a local print shop made a banner um, to basically help people understand what it was, and that was the first year in 2014. Since then, uh, it's been out in front of my house on at times like Memorial Day and PTSD Awareness Day, um, and uh, a group um, a group called LiveToTell.org 
um, had reached out to me and uh, got some information on my brother that they could put into their display as well and, and then provided me with some photos that I could display attached to the booth um, to make it a more poignant um, reminder and, and to bring a little more power to the display itself. Um, so if you've seen the display, you'll notice that there's uh, 22 um, people attached each pair of boots. And then uh, last year, um, the Tioga Freedom Fest, which happens over 4th of July, had asked to display the boots there. So we took them out to Tioga, and they created a binder. And um, that binder actually is, is, is information on every single soldier that's um, on those boots. So it's, it's, really, it's really kind of a powerful display. Those people who see it uh, usually say the same thing, and, and I'm, I'm glad because um, it's really doing its job. Well, very good. That's a very powerful display, and you are a very powerful American, and your your message is very powerful. And hopefully everyone can learn from uh, your presentation today and the following two interviews. Uh, PTSD is real. Uh, it's something that needs to change, and we all need to do whatever we can to, to change it. So, Brandis, thank you very um, much for what you do, and thank you for coming on the line today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, we'll break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Army Birthday and Women's Veterans Day and, of course, Flag Day coming up. Okay, a lot of my buddies are dancing around the room when they hear that song. That's the theme song of the United States Army. Their birthday is June 14th, coming up here on Monday. They were established in 1775, so there's celebrating their 246th anniversary in existence. Happy birthday, U.S. Army. And uh, today is Women Veterans Day. Uh, it's the fourth annual Women's Veterans Day. It was signed into law June 12, 2018. Uh, but it was President Harry S. Truman who signed the Women's Armed Services Integration Act back in 1948, integrating females into the United States military. So all our sisters out there, thank you for your military service. And uh, a little bit different topic today. It's a uh, flag day on the 14th, also on Monday. Uh, the flag as it is, was established officially uh, June 14th in 1777. Uh, although we started off in 1775, it became our official symbol in 1777. So, uh, it's changed over the years. We kept adding stars on that thing. And today uh, we have Gary Hemrick on the line. Gary was both the post commander here in Fargo and the North Dakota state commander of the AMVETS. And they have a very special program called the Flag Retirement Ceremony that they're conducting uh, on the 14th. And I'll let Gary come online and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Thanks for joining the show today, Gary. Hello. Hello, uh, hello, Dave. Great. So, flag yes. day, Amvets. You've been doing yes, this, yeah, uh, several several years now, and uh, I know you're proud to do that. And what? Start off by telling us why do you do that? Uh, we do it to to do a uh, a respectful retirement of the flags that have been in service and are no longer serviceable, and that's why we do it. And we we try to do it in a very respectful manner. Very good. And uh, uh, the Hardwood American Legion, we, we go to a couple of elementary schools and, and conduct flag retirement ceremonies. And 
one thing I stress mm-hmm. is we never want to see the flag of the United States of America treated like a piece of garbage. That's why we destroy it by burning, and we respectfully do that in, in a ceremony. Uh, not like some people who burn it or stomp on it to uh, show their disgust or uh, whatever, but no, we do it respectfully, and, and the Fargo Ambets do a very, very good job at that. Can you explain a little bit about that ceremony you conduct? Uh, well, okay, it's going to be uh, Monday, and our our timeline is 7.30 p.m. Is, is, uh, we're hoping to get it started. We will start inside of the Ambets. We'll do an inside uh, ceremony. We'll post the colors and uh, give a kind of a brief welcome, a, a little brief history. And then once that is done, then we'll go outside and we'll do the outside ceremony. Where where we, uh, in that I will, where they will cut the flag. We have the auxiliary uh, assisting in cutting the stripes and then uh, and cutting the blue out because the blue has to get the blue uh, with the star background usually is is, is supposed to be burned first, and uh, but we've been doing this for quite a few years, and I'm actually very proud that we're uh, able to do this. And, and you should be. And again, the the Amvets Post Seven and Auxiliary do a, do a fine, fine job of doing just that. Now, uh, uh, you you uh, retire formally one flag, but you guys you get a lot of flags brought in by the general public. That are not serviceable yes. anymore, right? Yeah, because uh, Ed Kanye and myself, uh, I believe on Friday after, or what is it? Uh, I believe it was on Friday, we counted the number of flags, and and we at that point in time we had like five hundred and ninety-five. <laughs> uh, excuse me, it was Thursday. Sorry, but yeah, it was on Thursday. We had five hundred and ninety-five, and I'm sure we'll probably have more. By Monday, right. So you're you're going to ceremoniously retire one flag Monday Correct. evening at seven thirty. But uh, you, you and uh, American Legion, VFW, all veterans organizations, we encourage the general public to bring their worn out, unserviceable flags. If they don't look good anymore, it's not respectable to to fly them. So when they don't look mm-hmm. good anymore, bring them to a veterans organization and let us uh, retire them respectfully. Well, and then we also have some other drop-off spots. Uh, uh, Fleet Farm in uh, South Fargo, there's a drop-off point. Lowe's uh, on 13th in Fargo is a drop-off point. And I, I think Shields might be another one. I believe so. Shields on 13th, not the sports one, but the hardware store on 13th. But, but yeah, I think there's a drop-off point Either that field or the one right off on 45th. But uh, but there are some other drop or like you said at the at the building of the veteran service organization itself. Very you know, good. like Amvets, the BFW, or American Legion. Correct. Correct. And yeah. Well, Gary Hemrick, uh, Fargo Amvets, uh, and all the other veterans organizations, we thank them for. Uh, collecting those flags and, and dispose of them re, or retiring them respectfully. Well, uh, Gary, thanks for coming on. Okay. We, and do they need the address though? Dave? Oh, quickly. Yep. Uh, 1001 first Avenue South. There 1001 you. first Avenue South. 
Right on the at corner of First Avenue South and 10th Street. Yeah, it's just right off of 10th. Okay, Just to the west of 10th. Okay. Okay, thanks, Gary, and we'll see you uh, Monday night, if not before. Thank you very much. You bet. We're, we'll close by the playing of taps. I hear the sound of taps. I listen to the bugler play, and I feel a sudden chill. I wonder how many times that taps have meant amen. When a flag has draped the coffin of a brother or a friend, I think of all the mothers, fathers, husbands, and wives, and children with interrupted lives. I think about a graveyard at the bottom of the sea, or unmarked graves in Arlington. No, freedom isn't three. Want to thank Paul Lance for being our producer today here at KFGO, and thank KFGO for allowing us veterans to have this hour to talk about our events and causes. Thank you. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret